yeah, it, it's about ordinary life, but it's about how wild and wonderful ordinary life is. So simple. You got to You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Hi, you're with Karen, accentuating the positive as usual. I'm so excited to have director and documentary maker Tom Murray with me on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit about Tom. Tom is an ARC DECRA Research Fellow and Senior Lecturer in Screen Media at Macquarie University. He has a PhD in Media History and has worked in creative media production and education for nearly 20 years as a writer, director, producer, curator and lecturer. He is the winner of numerous awards and accolades for his film and television work and has been employed as a consultant and educator by the state film funding agencies, international media organisations and in numerous educational contexts. Tom's worked across a diverse slate of factual and documentary productions for commercial and public broadcasters and in his own multi-award winning and critically acclaimed documentaries. Tom's documentary for ABC TV, Duckier versus The King, won 2005 New South Wales Premier History Award and the 2004 Dendy Award for Best Film at the Sydney Film Festival and was also selected for many international film festivals, including 2005 Sundance Film Festival. In 2008, his film My Father's Country was selected for a major international festivals, including Amsterdam, and won Australian Directors Guild Award for Best Direction in a Documentary Feature. His film Love in Our Time screamed at the 2014 Islands in the World Festival. In 2014, Tom was also awarded the Australian Academy of Humanities Max Crawford Medal, the highest award in Australia for outstanding achievement and promise in humanities research. So great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Fantastic to be with you. Tom sent me recently your amazing DVD called Love in Our Own Time. It's a documentary all about well, it's all about life and death. It follows about a dozen people, isn't it? You follow families just about to give birth and then there's about half a dozen families who are dealing with the transition or the death of a loved one. How many people in the film, Tom? There's a lot of people in the film. I think we kind of really intimately follow about seven different families. Oh, okay. So I think in the film there's probably four or five different families that are dealing with the the death of a loved one or the transition as you call it the, mm. the, the that part of life and then there's another three or four families that are experiencing the incoming of a loved one a new baby so the idea of the basic idea of the film is to document the extraordinariness of ordinary life and visit those kind of sublime and simple moments that are the bookends of our life birth and death I know the film is all about the beginning and the end, like not too much in between. Which yeah, is... I was kind of hatch, match, and dispatch without the match. <laughs> Most films are about the in between part. What made you want to make a film like this? What was the intention behind it? 
there were sort of two things that were happening in my life just before I made this film, which began shooting, I think, in about 2010. And that was the, I mean, I was lucky enough to have three grandparents right through until very recently. And watching them die, which was my first real intimate experience of uh, the death of people that were close to me. So I watched them die and they all died in sort of clinical settings, you know, in nursing homes and hospitals and that kind of thing. So I really wanted to look into how we did death, for want of a better term, in our contemporary urban society. So that that merged with having spent a bit more than a decade working in remote Indigenous communities. And in my case, I mostly work up in northeast East Land with the, the Yongle people and being involved in witnessing and celebrating and memorialising people that, that had died in northeast Arnhem Land and the way that they did it and the communally experienced shared process of mourning and celebration that they engage in. So thinking about how young Aboriginal people experience and think about death and dying and very much in the terms that you're describing, you know, this is a death and dying is really about people moving between states, you know, that's the moving between an experience of life in the body of a young person to being some other part of the, the whole ecos, you know, whether it's a cosmos, a cosmos, universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like whether it's to an, an animal, a plant or water or um, whatever it is. So, you know, that kind of way that they conceive of everything being interconnected into a great big whole of diverse and lovely interconnection. So, um, yeah, it was those two things, very kind of personal, my grandparents dying and then the watching of these two different ways that societies kind of mark death and dying. Yeah, it's such an interesting subject because, you know, the way we do death, watching your film, we don't do death very well and yet death is an absolute, there's no getting out of it, you know, there's no getting out of here alive, there's just... It's going to happen to all of us, you know what I mean? It's You can't avoid it. <laughs> and yet I think that we don't do death very well because we don't talk about it much. We talk about everything else. We talk about money. We talk about sex. We talk about politics. But we don't talk about death so much. We try to avoid it and yet, it, it, and yet it's going to touch all of our lives. Even if it's our own death, it's going to touch all of our lives in some way. And as you say, the Indigenous people, they do death much better than us. They have more of a profound understanding than than most secular Western people. I found your work through an event that's coming up in August called Dying to Know, and it's a day that's dedicated to talking about death and, and answering people's questions about death. And I found your film there, you know, Love in Our Times, and your assistant Chloe sent it to me. And I, it's such a beautiful film. It's such a beautiful film because it is so simple and yet so profound, watching watching the journeys of people about to give birth, families, even though some of them had other children, so it wasn't a first for them, and then watching the way people were dealing with the dying of a loved one. It would be great if it was as joyous on both ends, really, Tom, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thing, isn't it, that way that we sort of in contemporary sort of urban Western culture have lost touch, really, because I don't think that, that, you know, going back many generations that our ancestors, I think they would have had a much better hold on it, but we've succumbed to the marketing of the immortality complex, you know, that we'll live forever and we don't need to ever 
think about it and we don't want to think about it and we push it away. And that's why things like, you know, Dying to No Day and one of the reasons that I wanted to make this film was to inject some possibility of having a discussion topic around this because we do absolutely push it away as if it's not something that we are likely to deal with. <laughs> and yet if we did deal with it, what if we did say, yep, I appreciate I'm going to die and how would differently would I live my life if I really appreciated that? And not just in the kind of glib you know, live every day like it's your last, which is really hard to do. But just to think like in a longer and a shorter context, I know that I'm going to die. What kind of life do I want to live? You know, what kind of relationships do I want to sustain? What kind of things do I want to fill my life with in terms of friend, family, you know, even the, the place where you live, you know, all those kind of things. So knowing that, yep, you will die at some point, uh, and really grasping how profound and yet how liberating that idea is, how would you do th things differently? And that's what I really was trying to get at with the film. One of the things that I, I remember in the research for it was reading something that the social researcher Hugh Mackay talked about. And he was kind of interviewing all these people. And, what, and someone said, one of his survey kind of respondents said something along the lines of, you know, I don't think we're trying to keep up with the Joneses anymore. I just think we're struggling to keep up with ourselves. And that kind of really struck me, you know, that, you know, in that struggle just to sort of keep up with something, you know, people are even losing touch with themselves. And Mackay went back to asking questions like, maybe it's time to take stock and ask ourselves, why all this rushing? Why, you know, what's all this pressure? What's all this busyness about? And I don't think it's particularly, you know, questions like this have been thought of for a long time. And he, Mackay, I remember, quoted the Latin poet Ovid who said that for you who seek an end of love, love will yield to busyness. So be busy and you'll be safe. You know, if you want to avoid the pain and the kind of deep connection that, that love entails, and not just kind of romantic love, but love of all different sorts. I think the Greeks had a, a whole bunch of different expressions of, of love, you know, love for friends, love for family, all that love for country, love for, I think in the indigenous context, you know, love for the natural, physical and immaterial world. If you want to just avoid love of all sorts, just be busy and you'll be safe, you know, you won't have to think about it. So the, in the film, which I, I hope you experience too, there's a lot of room in that film. There's a lot of moments where it's just there ready and open for people to kind of reflect and kind of inject some questions that they might have or, or think about some experiences that they've had in the past and how they might process them even if they hadn't sort of processed them previously. And, you know, what Dying to No Day and Death to Cafe and all, all these kind of new organisations and points of thinking are pointing us to is to think about how we want to live and to accept the inevitable of our deaths, unless maybe you're Walt Disney or something, and think about how you want to live. Mm. Well, I have to say the film is like that. It does give you room to think. It's uh, not a fast-paced film like most Hollywood projects or that, that films have to be constantly sort of keeping the mind moving, 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 moving. It gives you a lot of space to ponder exactly what you're watching, which is kind of nice. It's like relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, so, it's a hard film to watch if you've got another DVD on over here or, you know, there's a radio on over here or, you know, you're, you're making yourself some muesli or you're doing some ironing or whatever. It's a, a film that you really do have to 
sit there and watch and then when you drift, like drift knowingly, you know, drift drift because there's been something provocative in the film that's made you think about stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your views on death? Well, one thing that really was transformative for me in making this film and getting close to death and dying because I filmed quite a few people die and it wasn't something that most of us had experienced that much and I was incredibly fearful of death. I know that uh, you're not so much but I was really, really scared. I think a lot of people are. Like this subject just frightens the the bejesus out of a lot of people and they don't want to go anywhere near it. And I was also very, very scared of death. But watching people, and I think it sort of comes through in the film and you might have had this experience too, watching people die, it's I mean, and partly it could be because of the medications that people are having. But watching people die, it's a, it's a relatively slow and it is a transformative thing. And I, having witnessed it, am much less fearful of it. And I think there's, there's a one guy in the film, and you might remember this part, there's a guy called Wally in the film. And it was amazing to watch. He went, well, he opened the door of death, maybe went through that door a few paces and then came back. And what he expresses in the film is that he now has a whole lot of hope. And a hope is a really strange word to use for someone that just saw death and that is now anticipating it. And I think what he was trying to express with that is that there is something in the transcendental beyond of this living and it's not to be feared. And he expressed that in terms of the word hope. And, and I found that really interesting and I've held to that. But that's just my thinking, having experienced these things. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I speak with a lot of people who talk about death, people that have had near-death experiences, people that are mediums and talk with dead people. But what the dead tell me is that they're not dead. In fact, I wrote a book about it called Return to Love because my mother died when I was uh, 16 and she was desperate to communicate with me that she didn't die. And she did that through my dreams. So for years I had dreams of seeing her in strange places and every time I saw her she told me she didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I started to explore that and now I understand that death is, um, there is no such thing as death. There's just the end of this chapter and on to another chapter, on to more, more exciting adventures, more chapters, more places to go, whether you leave young or you leave old. Wouldn't it be great if we could celebrate if we could celebrate that transition? Many people say actually, Tom, that the transition into this physical dimension is harder than the transition out of it. And for uh, souls inhabiting a physical form, when they squeeze their enormousness into a tiny little baby's form, that that feels so constricting, you know, like that's hard to do. And uh, yet when we experience birth, we're all, yay, cheers, celebration, celebration, they're here, yay. And yet we don't do the same for death when someone is moving out of the physical form back to that huge expansiveness of being and oneness how that's not celebrated, it would be great if we could celebrate it more, I think. Yeah, well, I suppose incoming, you know, kids, they're often screaming when they come in. Screaming when they come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I suppose part of my instruction in my own life's journey is to be with a lot of Indigenous people who don't just talk to uh, they talk to ancestors, they talk to ancestor spirits and they talk to all sorts of beings that are in the world and are instructed by lots of beings and they don't call, you know, the dreamings that people have 
are about the sort of sacred journeys that ancestors have have experienced that they're explaining and they're they're basically the map and the key to living in country so the idea that there's a circularity to to life that people in the form of their body at the moment are just in a it's just a you know transitory phase that uh, will end up in some other form and i've just come back from uh, Naranjiri country in, in South Australia around the, the Kurong there, the mouth of the Murray River. And they've got quite a unique problem in that uh, a lot of their ancestors, their bones of their ancestors were, were stolen away by anthropologists and others. And they're just having to kind of repatriate and rebury those ancestors. And, and while they're restless, those spirits, because they've been disturbed and have been around um, people who haven't respected them. Now those ancestors have to be spoken to and have to be sung and there's a whole lot of, of ceremony around that, you know, using smoking ceremonies and of course that smoke isn't just any smoke, it's it's from eucalypts and trees from, from that country so the ancestor knows that they're in comfortable and homely surrounds so that they can come back to their place and not be disturbed. So there's a lot of ritual around that and, and like you were saying about um, your mother coming back in dreams, there's there's a lot of dreaming around around ancestors. It's a deep thing in indigenous culture and while I haven't been, um, maybe I'm not open enough at the moment but I haven't been having conversations with, with any of my ancestors, there is a very strong, I understand a very, very strong intuitive connection to experiences that they've had and stories they've given me. So I kind of in some ways, they not just in terms of my genes, but they live on in me in all sorts of ways, and I'm really honoured and dignified by their experience. So there's a lot of, and there's a lot of profound things that we all experience that I think that we're taught not to engage with and not to respect. So I think we've got to go a long way to come back to a lot of appreciation of the past, and I, I have no doubt in my mind that the lack of respect that's given to a spiritual existence is one of the reasons why you know we've got the sort of relationships we have with the planet at the moment where the earth and the natural world is is not respected at all mm. definitely the indigenous have so much to teach us about that connection definitely so how did you get connected to the indigenous people like working with them and and you said that you're making a new documentary about them yeah well i've made lots of films with in indigenous communities and I have done for close to 20 years now so lots of different communities and for me it, that is part of my own desire to uh, I grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney freshwater beach there's almost no connection with the indigenous foundations of our country mm. so you know, if you go to Kilkil Lagoon or you go to DY Lagoon or Queensy Lagoon, you can just know and feel that there's just been generations of feasts that have happened in those places. Um, people were catching brim and crabs and eel and just, you know, telling stories. And what are the stories that are, you know, underneath Warringah Mall? Who knows, you know, we, do, we don't, I felt that as a great loss, you know, there was a, a kind of vacuum of history and so I wanted to go to some places and try to appreciate what 
a much more holistic understanding of being in a place is about. So I've travelled around the, the central deserts and made a film with an old friend of mine, Michael Letnick, who's also from the northern beaches there, and we made a, a project about the trade routes of a really important narcotic pitchery through the central deserts. So people used to kind of chew this this narcotic and tell stories and so on, and it was hugely, by nicotine, it was much, much stronger than commercial tobacco and had a kind of psychedelic effect too, so they were kind of the storytellers and the shamans and so on, so we made a, a documentary about that, and then I got drawn to lots of Indigenous communities around the place, and that's really one of my great passions, is to think about Indigenous concepts of being in a place and how important they are for wider Australian communities to understand, because I really do feel great sorrow at the way that we treat a lot of the country, you know, that we just construct a whole lot of inappropriate buildings and things and we and we build over the top of landscape without really sensing what it is. And for me, that's where a lot of the spiritual inclination and comes from is the country being able to talk to you and tell that story. And I think a lot of, I grew up surfing, a lot of surfers intuitively get that because the ocean is like talking to you in all sorts of different ways and yeah. it has lots of different moods and, and all that thing. Yeah. And lots of people who, who in their various lines of being in the world deal with the natural element, I think they're inclined to think like that. But the indigenous of this country have been here for, we know, 50, 60,000 years, just have that so intimately and so deeply. Even an inkling of what that means, I think, would just completely change the way that we dealt with our land. Yeah, I have to say, I'm always astounded how the Australian population have I used to go to New Zealand a lot because my father was born there and I had family there, but not so much anymore. And the Indigenous population is just so present there and, and it's not so much here. When you arrive in Australia, you see a few Indigenous artwork at, at the airport. That's about it, really. <laughs> I mean, it's just not that present here. It's just not that celebrated. It's a shame. It's a great shame. So you're doing great work, Tom. Congratulations on getting their message out there and documenting them. And if you were to look back on what you've done with your life, what would you say is your message? Well, I think that one of the most important things that we have is we as humans, we all have perspective and we need to treat each other with compassion and a sort of generosity of spirit that when you apply that in your lived experience, it comes back to you manyfold, you know. So uh, one of the things that is current out there in the world that's really disabling is fear. And I think, Karen, one of the things that you uh, look at and, you know, one of the things that you understand through your perspective is that fear of death and fear of a spiritual life is one of the really disabling things for a lot of people. It, it means that we don't respect others, that we are likely to not treat them with empathy and dehumanise them. And for all those reasons, that also dehumanises you as a person. And once you get around that, once you can appreciate that, then you can get to a whole lot of ways of being in the world that will actually benefit you as a human being. So if there's a message in my films and you know, across all of them, it's to be less fearful and more embracing of, of experience and that deals with birth and it deals with death and uh, you know what I hope that people can get out of watching the film Love in Our Own Time 
is that um, we really need to, to embrace our own mortality in this form and deal with our life in much more sort of empathetic and generous terms with others because if you do that, then you're going to live a much richer life. That's a beautiful message. Tom Murray, thanks so much for joining us on Accentuate the Positive Radio. And how can people find out more about you and, and get their hands on your DVDs? Love in Our Own Time. There's a site, love in our own time, or one word, dot com. So love in our own time dot com. You can get DVDs on the site there. In the uh, Dying to Know Day uh, coming up, there's a special $5 discount on the DVD. So I think they only cost $25 on there. And you've got to put a code in, which is D2K DVD. And if you want to check out Duck Yar versus The King or In My Father's Country, two films that I made in Northeast Arnhem Land, they're also available in lots of libraries and DVD stores and online. So in, look up uh, Tom Murray, In My Father's Country, or Duck Yar versus The King. That's uh, uh, one that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and won lots of awards in, in this country too. Beautiful. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tom Murray, director, filmmaker, difference maker extraordinaire. So great to have that conversation with him. And remember, if you want to get your hands on his DVD, Love in Our Time, it's loveinourtime.com. For more fascinating conversations with thought leaders and difference makers, go to karenswain.com and you'll see Accentuate the Positive ATP Radio there. We're also on YouTube. I've had so many fabulous conversations with people talking about near-death experiences and life after life and who we are as non-physical beings. It's been a fascinating ride, very enlightening, and it will expand your awareness of how powerful and how infinite you are. So check it all out on currentswain.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Like that's what you want